Podcast Beyond episode 329, a very special episode of Podcast mm. Beyond episode 329. This is The Last of Us, Left Behind, spoiler cast. Do not listen to this episode until you have beaten Left Behind. Otherwise, you're going to be pissed, You're gonna everything's going to be ruined for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, as always, I'm one of your hosts, Greg Miller, alongside the Pride of Long Island, Colin Moriarty. Hello, Greg. And then, we, who, who else is in the room here? Well, we have Neil and Bruce from Naughty Dog, the, the, the minds, the visionaries oh. behind The Last oh, of Us. Oh, they made the whole game. They with, made the whole game they by two themselves. Hands. You know, good. You know when Ballard was here and he was pretending like he worked a little bit on The he Last of Us? Well, he was full of shit. David Ballard. Because they did it by themselves. He's an empty husk of Everything you're saying is true. <laughs> yeah. So you got so now so now again this is the spoiler cast this is your last chance to stop listening ladies and gentlemen or watching and leave. go play it don't listen don't yeah you don't you, listen to this podcast no. you guys really worked really hard on that so that was it now we can start talking about mm-hmm. it let me be the first to congratulate you both on ripping off Gone Home <laughs> whoa the indie yeah. darling Gone Home nice. they can't have anything for themselves you've got to swoop in and steal it. <laughs> No, that's, let, that's let, funny. We met Steve Gaynor at uh, at PAX, and we had lunch with him. And afterwards, I told him, I was like, after this DLC comes out, people are going to accuse us that we ripped you off. Just, it's going to come. So let's start you with that. that. around real quick, by the way. <laughs> I think uh, the Ellie Riley moment, probably the... Uh, Colin literally screamed from his room, Are you kidding me? <laughs> totally caught off guard by it. I... I, I, no, I noticed that there was something going on there, right? But the photo booth is what cemented everything for me. When I got in there, like, knee-jerk action. What am I going to pick? I'm going to pick love. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they love each other. Oh, my God, they love each other. And then at the very end, like, they have that really awkward moment of, like, well, all right, let's leave. And I was like, oh, man, they are so in love with each other. It was so <laughs> awesome. I loved it. Great job. Thanks. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we just wanted to tell a different kind of story, a different kind of love story than we've done like with the main campaign. So did you know that thread when you were working on the real game and the, the meaty core of the game? It kind of like the thoughts came in and out and you know we we felt like we didn't really have to explore in the main campaign so we just left it out and with this with this um with left behind with that story we, again we wanted to see another side of Ellie uh and that's where the story went. Yeah. yeah, a lot of it was also like, you know, we saw Joel in the single player campaign and his ordinary world, you know, with Sarah. And so we wanted to take that same aspect of like, okay, well, what is Ellie's ordinary world like? We've heard about the QZ and her life inside of the uh, uh, the military reform school, et cetera. So now it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? And right. Let's explore that. And Riley's a big part of that. And of course, the American Dreams comics yeah. was a big inspiration for this as well. So yeah, it was just an opportunity to explore. Like there's there's little hints love. in the comic that you see the way she talks, like she says, "I like her," and like the way she hugs her after they have that. So it's like there was a there's really minor setups in there. Mm-hmm. So see now this is always I'm always fascinated by this in terms of storytelling across multiple platforms. So Faith Aaron Hicks obviously worked closely. I mean she made American Dreams, but then closely with you on it. Is that how this works, or did you guys tell her what needed to happen in it, or? No, uh, we, we just, you know, we would brainstorm on the story, and it's funny, we would do these, we did like a couple of PR interviews, and we both kind of slipped up and said, Ellie's attracted to Riley, and, I, and at the time, we weren't really thinking about it as a romantic relationship, uh, but that thought kind of stuck in the, in the back, at least the back of my mind, I don't know what she was thinking, so it was kind of just worked into the story there, and then we built off of that and left behind. So, 
did anyone try to stop this at any point? Like, I don't. I assume you you guys are just mad scientists. There, you just say where the boat's going, and everybody's like, "Oh God!" I don't. Colin, correct me if I'm wrong. In historical sense, do mad scientists direct boats? Yeah, <laughs> I'm just making sure. All right, there might have been. I've heard of this in the record, in the historical record. Yes. <laughs> well, did anyone? Was anybody against this? Did they not like this? I know. Like, actually, the biggest conversation was between Neil and I. Yeah. I mean, uh, Evan Wells, co-president, dude, whatever. Uh, you know, dude, the, the the captain of the ship. Yeah. With Christoph, mad scientist of the ship. The mad scientist of the ship. Thank he was, um, uh, he literally, Neil went in and said, here's the idea. And he's like, yeah, great. Actually, like, it, as it simple, was like, yeah. we were about to show it to like marketing. And uh, I went into Evan's office like, before we go into marketing, I just want you to be aware what we shot and what's like happening here. And like, I showed him the thing. He's like, oh, yeah, cool. Awesome. That's right. Yeah. And well, Bruce and I would have a discussion. It was just like, let's make sure we're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Like, like, it's really like really important for the story the story doesn't work without it and you know we really challenged ourselves it's like it felt imperative for the story yeah it, it adds an extra dimension to ellie's character it gives weight and depth to the story that we're telling inside of left behind so it was one of those things that um it, you know we're definitely we want to be sensitive to the fans and what the single player campaign has built up as far mm-hmm. as people's expectations but also, we want to tell the stories that we want to tell, and we want to give the experience that we think is like super important to tell about Ellie, you know. And so that was that's you a know part of it. ultimately the story. It, it's another part of their relationship, but the, the the story is really where Ellie finds her strength. That's where you find the parallel with the other story that you know we haven't revealed the whole Joel thing. Right, is she draws all her strength from her experience with Riley. Yeah, I was super. Ex- I was. It was unexpected to go back to Colorado and pick up. I, you know, I, I guess I should be expecting the unexpected from you guys that you guys are just gonna screw around with my emotions and where I'm going. But when <laughs> the game starts and you're back in Colorado, I was like, oh, that's weird. And like, this is awesome that it's filling in that gap. But I was, you know, the two stories basically dueling banjo. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed. Yeah, I was. I, I was wondering, you know, if you guys approached the story in the sense that you knew you wanted to go back and tell that specific kind of interlude that we don't really get to see. We don't really get to see a lot of that winter scene until we're unexpectedly playing as Ellie in the main campaign. And I'm wondering, you know, I like that because it's, it reminds me a lot of, you know, you guys are good at keeping secrets as a studio, right? A lot of studios aren't good at keeping secrets. We always talk about Young Drake and Uncharted 3 or the beginning of The Last of Us, um, how no one really knew that it started in current day and, mm-hmm. and went from there. So is this, you always knew maybe that you wanted to revisit that and t- flesh out that part of the story a little bit more? That was one of like when, so we had the opportunity to do this, you know, the side story and we're brainstorming what it could be and we're like, oh, it'd be cool to explore that section because we didn't reveal a lot of it. But it felt like on its own, it didn't have a lot of meat to it. And then we're like, oh, what if we explore this Riley thing? Well, that wouldn't have a lot of combat to it. And I was like, okay, well, what if we do the two stories and they'd say something about one another? Mm. And that's where, like, yes, that felt like a story worth telling all of a sudden. Yeah, I think that was my favorite part. I mean, you talked a little bit about it, you know, that it was getting to know her as just being a girl or whatever. And I didn't, when you read that or you watch, you know, this Ashley Johnson (laughs) character over here talk about it in a video, you don't really get it. But when we were in the Halloween shop, right, and it's Mm -hmm. just just Ellie and Riley going around trying on masks, and I kept waiting for something to trigger it, but then I kept finding other things to try on and conversations to have that it was like, that was when it really dawned on me, like, this is just hanging out. Like, this this part of it is just totally us just being girls, just girling out, <laughs> seeing what's up. Yeah, I loved, I loved it. I, lo- I, loved, I loved that scene in particular. Again. Yeah. And, like, uh, Ellie said something like, pe- she said something like, people really spent their money on this or something like that. It showed yeah. a real detachment, I thought, from... The fact that she doesn't know what the real world is. She only has touchstones that right. she thinks she understands it. Also, the video game scene I thought was really, oh, really, really God. cool. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was it. You guys did so so many different things yeah. that weren't, you know, quote, unquote, Last of Us. Okay, so we were talking about this at breakfast this morning. 
What were your guys' favorite parts of the Ellie Riley? The you know as far as like the, the kind of fun and games. The, yeah, the parts. fun and games. Sure, 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 sure. I mean, yeah, like the video game part was awesome because it starts and I'm like, okay, this so we is, got that one right. This right. is so, so weird that they're gonna sh- that it's just gonna be her face and then like the health bars come up and then I'm cursing because I'm not doing the combos right yeah, and all this other stuff. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. All right, Colin. Uh, I, I again, I got to go back to uh, the uh, the Halloween shop specifically. Oh, we couldn't. We didn't get that. One. No. Well, I was no, gonna no. say specifically the ability. Like, I love the idea of them putting those masks on and you assumed just at the very beginning when she has like the wolfman mask on or whatever uh-huh. and you assume that they're okay you're gonna explore maybe you find some scissors or some expo- you know sugar somewhere yeah, and, then, yeah, yeah. and then you leave but I like the idea of how like you find more masks you don't have to put them on and then you find you know the 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 skeleton, you know, we all have the magic eight ball, or whatever, and yeah, you, yeah, and you yeah. shake it, and Skelet-seer. you can do it. O- you can do it over and over again. You know, um, I liked it. What was it too? Well, I ever play a video game, and it's like it's grim. She's like, "Well, fuck you, skull." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "That was awesome." I, I, I really enjoyed that scene because I think that it got down to kind of the nitty gritty of what I I wanted this to be, and what I think it was for the most part, which was just an experience that didn't have much combat, that didn't have much in the way of anything but expo- exploring. And I was just so, f- that's why The Last of Us took me 17 or 18 hours to beat when it took a lot of other people 14 hours or 12 hours is because I like just loved walking around and looking at everything and finding yeah. things. And that, just being able to do that again for two or three more right, hours right. was awesome. Well, that was the weird thing for me is that I couldn't shut that off. It's like when, even when I was back to the Riley thing, the Riley Ellie stuff and I knew I'm here to have fun kind of, you know what I mean? I still was like, all right, yeah, good, go talk about that. I'm going to go check out this dark corner. Like, what's over here? Is there anything <laughs> over here? No? Okay. Well, then you're talking about great moments. The pun book was really good, and I loved the escalator bit. Just the little bit of the escalator where they they both freak out to be on an escalator. Cool. Yeah. What did you predict, well, though? What was it? You, you said... You were the arcade. Yeah. We water said gun water gun fight. Oh, the water gun fight. Oh, the water, water gun, gun fight, fight was awesome, too. Yeah. It actually super tense. Yeah, yeah I know, right? <laughs> I see her. I'm just like, ah, you can't aim. You're just like yeah. shooting. All right, did you beat her or did you lose? I lost. Oh, I, I lost the first part, like, badly. Okay. Like, the, well, you get hit five times, but I, I beat her. The, see, the I did the first part. part fine. Who get the wettest? I got her the wettest. Oh, but then after that, I was just getting smoked. Yeah. Interesting. Is yeah, it, so. Does the game ending change? Does she not get bitten if I would have? <laughs> <laughs> the whole campaign changes after that. Yeah. So, what, 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 Colin, what didn't you like about it? You have them here. Get them, nail them. Yeah, I mean, the one... Jerks. I, I thought it was really strong. I even liked going back and, 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 and fighting again in the sense that right. I felt like Ellie feels different than Joel and we had a little bit of taste of that in the, in the Last of Us's campaign but I like that you know when you're when someone's coming at you in the campaign with Joel right you kind of like can stand your ground right like you might like swing mm-hmm. at them and yep. be able to, you can't do that with Ellie and so it makes you kind of a, be evasive and I enjoyed that at the same time and we discussed this a little bit I think my one issue with it was maybe did there need to be any combat in it at all you know like mm-hmm. I, I wondered and I know like it's a video game and you have to cater to that audience and maybe people would be disappointed in it. but I was so much more riveted with the exploration of it of them just going to this mall maybe there's just no one there and like they can just do whatever they wanted so I liked those waves of enemies and it was actually quite difficult yeah the, well the, that the, end was actually quite the only thing I didn't like was the final section when you're when the guys are trying to, to get through the 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 lock or whatever to get yeah. to Joel right yeah, yeah. and I finally I went, the first time I you know I worked my way down to everybody when I got there and they shot shot me at me I was yeah. like all right let's go but then there was like 17 of these motherfuckers everywhere. And it only took me like three tries, but like seriously, that. I think there's only like six, by the way, but yeah. Whatever. (laughs) They're everywhere, though. They're coming from different sides. It's like, well, I'll retreat into this, and they were there, and I'll go that way, and they're there. And then you finally get them down, and then when, you know, like the clickers and the other infected come in, you're like, all right, chance to breathe. But like, there was just like the the second loss, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm ready to throw the controller. It was was tense. It was cool. I I did enjoy, like, it's kind of a juxtaposition to feeling like maybe there shouldn't have been combat, was I did like. 
pitting pitting the them against each other against was the awesome. Humans, which is cool. yeah, yeah, was yeah. there a technical reason why that wasn't in the in the original game, or is that something you guys just played with and you got to later? Or yeah, it's really uh, we had plans on getting it into uh, Pittsburgh, and then it really came down to the scope of the game and production, the amount of people, There's time, time. You're like, okay, well, we had a sketch in, but, you know, prototype, the siren's lure of the prototype means, like, okay, we think we can do it. And really, when it comes down to it, all of the bugs that are going to, like, come out of yeah. that and all the different ways that this explodes into a can of worms, it's like, all right. So just, it was just a completely just, scripted part. But then as soon as we started Left Behind, we felt like we could do it. Let's, yeah, we have the time let's to flush it out now. Cool. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. I was so satisfying. Like, and I loved. I loved just. I loved sitting, like throwing a bottle. Right. and These guys are freaking out, and the infected are coming at them. But then you get up, and you, I like took a few shots at one of the guys, and they knew I was there, but they couldn't really focus on me, and it seemed kind of clever. I thought. No, and, yeah. For, I mean, when you come out of the air ducts, and like that, that was like the first. Because again, training, I've read yeah. about it. Yeah. I've heard all about it. And yeah, when you come out, you're like, oh, I see how this all pieces together. Finally, it was great. And then yeah, later on, uh, you know, there's the room where you come in, and there's all the infected over here. And then they come, like normal people come in from the front and they throw them. And that was another one of those moments of like, I threw the bottle. They all started fighting. I'm like, great. One infected came around. I shot at that one. That alerted them. So then eventually, infected were coming at me, and I'm like down to the last bullet, and I shoot one of them. And I'm just like swinging my knife, and I finally kill them with like nothing left. Like. That was an awesome moment. You yeah. know what I mean? It's I really nice to actually that. watch the humans kind of, they, they behave with a little bit of fear. Like, they'll actually run from the infected and then hide. And you get that sense of just like, yeah, they're surviving. They're just like yeah. me. And yeah. then you shoot them with an arrow in the head. You're like, yes. Because <laughs> they don't know that you're there. So then you have that, that drop on them. So yeah, it's, it, was, it was cool. I really did enjoy that. I'm, I'm interested to see um, how other people take to that. Because I, I thought that that added like a, a whole other dynamic to the combat. 100%. Because yeah. in the campaign, you kind of you approach the infected in a certain way, and they're, they're, they're fucking scary. You know? and, you yeah. appro- and you approach the humans in a different way, like they're maybe a little bit more manageable. Right? And, and now, you can, now you have to deal with both of them at the same time. You don't know who's coming at you, who knows you're there. It's kind of tense, cool. because as, as the humans are running away from the infected, you're not sure if they're going to they're gonna expose you, mm-hmm. and then how to behave. Do I, do I just take them out, or do I like start evading? So it adds this other dimension. Yeah, nice based on like, your supplies, you're like, do I take out the humans, or do I yeah, take out infected, the infected? Yeah. And so the, just to address kind of the combat question that you had earlier, is for us, um, that storyline is really showing, like, uh, Ellie's capabilities, like how far she's grown in the single-player campaign, because if you remember where that's slotting in as far as the single-player, then, um, you know, she's really evolved as far as her capabilities, her independence, and now not only emotionally are we showing, like, the, the lengths that she'll go to survive and help somebody that she loves, Joel being so injured, uh, the strength but it's also, she's... yeah, what she's gained from being with Joel. Because, like, you see the time. end of the Riley story and how much struggle it is for her to kill one infected. Right. And then how far she's come, like Bruce was saying, at the end of the, the Joel story. So, was there ever a desire to go further with the story here? Like, I, when they sit down, they're both bitten, they realize it's over, we already know that they're going to ride it out. I kind of expected it to fade to black and come... I, I wanted to see the conversation of... Riley's like, I'm not doing well. And Ellie's like, I'm all right. I don't know what's happening. Was there any thought of doing something like that? Not really, because no. this story was just about that turning point. That, that where, like, they, they express their love to each other and they're just willing to spend those two days together. And that's kind of Ellie's turning point. Mm. Uh, there was actually, at one point, we had less than that, where you didn't even see the bite happen. You didn't have the whole end chase sequence. And it felt like people were just on the team telling us, like, 
it's too subtle. Like, I want to see the part where they get right. bitten. Uh, and that's when we, we kind of, we actually took another month to do this whole kind of end sequence with the chase nice. that uh, you see the bite. Well, see, that's what was interesting about uh, American Dreams. When I read that, I was like, I'm like flipping pages. And I'm like, oh, this is really good. I can't wait to see her get bitten. Like, <laughs> where is this? And then it never happens. And I was like, what the hell? Like, that, it was so weird. That, and that was before, obviously, there was an announcement that the DLC was based on them. And that's how this was going. And so then when the DLC did come out, I thought it was going to be the American Dreams thing a little bit more. So it was different. And I loved the fact that you guys were making callbacks to it. Because if you, I'm sure you maybe you've seen some of my work here on mm-hmm. IGN.com where I talk about uh, in the Rewind theaters the fact that you can't animate pillows or blankets. And <laughs> one of the things I call out is the fact that you know you, I, I, I couldn't wrap my head around them going to the mall when they'd already been to that mall. You know what I mean? The comic book was about them going to the mall. Right. But then you get there and there's you know they talk about the guy who had died and his mm-hmm. saddle and the horse. And I was like, okay. like yeah. I love to see continuity like that come together. Because so many times you read the Uncharted comic and then you see the game and like granted they're different time periods and, that, and you don't see the connection as obvious as this one was. Well, there's also continuity between the single player campaign like the main campaign because in Bill's Billstown I don't know if you went into the pizza shop and there's the arcade machine right the, the turning point there yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. it's the same thing now here's actually where she's referring to yeah that was awesome too yeah it's very cool very cool uh, throwback and I, and I liked you know just in a very core way you know I, I love cool. the I, I love the idea of these two girls that don't know any better they don't know this real world. They don't know anything, but they're going to the mall together and like doing what a nor- like normal the girls we would think of today might go right. to the mall and enjoy, you know, each other's company and go shopping and stuff like that. And they're kind of doing it in their own world. And I lo- I just love that. Like it's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. It's not subtle at all. It's just, it is what it is, and I, and I enjoy. I don't know. I, I like. I just like that. Yeah, that's that. the thing. We, like we talked with Faith about is like what's kind of like our world and what's the metaphor for it in this kind of fucked up world. Yeah. Uh, and then we're like, wouldn't it be fun to get all this stuff on the stick and like to play it and experience it? Yeah. It's good stuff. I, I wonder too. You know, so you approach this idea of left behind as something you guys thought about, as something you, you you wrote. You obviously put a lot of hard work into it. Was there anything else that you were thinking about in your mind? As if you if you maybe you had a fork in the road or a few different ideas you wanted to approach with DLC. Was there anything else that you didn't get to touch on that you might have wanted to? I'm trying to think. We well, knew like people wanted ish. Like that always comes yeah. up over and over again. But there's something. Okay, let's talk about ish for a little bit. There's something about it. Like I think. People now have built him up in their mind so much, and he's different for so many. Like once you like put him on screen, mm-hmm. I feel like that would ruin a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm glad you didn't do it. I, I, I like that. He's I'm not. Just, this story like, sucked. That's what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's just a, a, it's a, it's like a little narrative you don't even have to yeah. find, and I, I like that, and it, and it tells its own story. Well, that the was the same way with, and I'm gonna forget his name now. Sorry, you know, I want Eli, right? Eli, the the medic from the chopper, right? Like sure. he has this whole thing was, of like, oh, you know, yeah. that there's the story of how he had to, you know, kill one of his guys right away, or you know, he followed execution protocols, and then he did it for this guy, and then the girl was trying to help him, and then he killed her, and then he bleeds out, obviously in the air ducts. Like, I love the fact that you guys hide those kind of narrative threads mm-hmm. around there that are totally there if you want to get into them, and if you don't, no big deal. Yeah, we actually had in the DLC, uh, uh, Ryan James is our editor um, and also like wrote some of the notes. Uh, we had this note that we wrote from Ish that was in the mall. It was actually a really good note, but it just felt like it's too much of a fan Too service. much of a it's tip too of coincidental for this to be here. Let's take it out. Yeah. No, that sucks. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm glad you, yeah, I'm glad you enforced it. One, uh, one, when, I, when I came, I beat the game last night. I walked into Colin's bedroom. He was under the covers playing something else. And I told, I, 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 we went through all this, we went through all this stuff. That's, <laughs> That's a, a true story there. There's a story there. There's a true there. story. <laughs> I, is this a metaphor play? It's literally, it's like literally 30 minutes before we're having people over for the Super Bowl party and he's tucked in his bed playing games. But that's beside the point. <laughs> I walk in and 
I the one thing I asked him was, did he get the social media campaign out of it? And he was like, what, the Facebook sharing? And I'm like, no, no, no. Like when I was in the pharmacy, I looked at the wall and it's like, oh, oh yeah, follow us on Twitter. Here we go. And you go to it and like there is another whole little narrative thread you guys hid there. This is brilliant. This the is the brilliant. pharmacy, the ice cream shop, one of the other ones, they all have Twitter accounts going through the fact that they're closed. Then a bunch of you know B- BS normal tweets. And then you had the girl and you had the guy who were in the photo like on the – it was so brilliant. I love that kind of crap. That was uh, Alex Neonakis who was our UI designer. And she start, she was doing a lot of the branding for the different stores. And she was like, oh, what if we tweet this stuff? And yeah. like, Because we had time before Outbreak Day. Yeah. Uh, like – what, what September twenty sixth. What, what October twenty sixth. No September. Is it September? It's September. I, I, don't I only know because that's yeah. where the tweets stop. <laughs> the tw- if you if yeah. you haven't caught this, ladies and gentlemen, in there you go through and blah blah. And all the tweets are you know they're real life tweets, so they stop yeah. September whatever of last year. Just like we're being closed, and you know this is crazy. We're out of pharmaceuticals. And it's like wow. So she actually wrote and mapped out all this stuff for the hospital, for the yeah. pet store, for the. Arcade. The couple yeah. going to the pharmacy. Right, right, right. Working at he the was the pharmacist and yeah, his yeah. girlfriend yeah, who yeah. went away who, who yeah. wrote the note on the back of the photo she right. left them. Yeah. So, so it was brilliant. one of those genius ideas where we're like, yeah, do like, that. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's one of those things. Last night I tweeted at the pharmacy and I just said, y'all need to restock. And I left it up, I left it up for like 15 minutes and because I, I was like, nope, first off, nobody's, if you're a real big Greg Miller fan to go through my tweets and find like a weird pharmacy I'm tweeting at. But then I eventually took it down because I was more concerned not of getting you guys mad at me, but I didn't want to ruin for anybody it was happening in Colorado. And so I didn't want somebody to look at it and go – Oh, it's clearly a Last of Us thing from Colorado. Did I miss this in the main? Oh, wait, no, it's about that. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to spoil for people yeah. that you know the mm-hmm. fact you're going to pop up in Colorado. I appreciate was, it. Nope. Well, I'm sure I. I was. I was. There was a lot of refreshing. I'm like, God, to tell me nobody on Gaff picked this up. I do not need a Gaff thread about. What does Greg Miller know about the Last of Us? Yeah. Um, did I, you guys? Did you guys play the Jack X game in the arcade? I did not no. know you could play it. Oh. I saw it in the corner. I didn't. I didn't see it turned on though. Oh. Maybe you should walk a little closer to it. Oh, wow. <laughs> I liked all the uh, Halloween awesome. costumes, the Jack X, the, the Jack Halloween costume, and then the uh, Nathan Drake for Uncharted 2. Cool. Yeah, yeah very cool. I, so one of the things I, I was hoping you guys can clear up for me because, you know, there was a post on PlayStation Blog not too long ago, and people are asking about future DLC for The Last of Us. And Eric Monticelli, who is, you know, your, one of your community strategists, he said... We have nothing planned right now. And a lot of people took that as being, you know, definitive that there's nothing more coming, maybe except for multiplayer DLC. Is it safe to assume or can, can we confirm that this is it as far as single-player DLC for The Last of Us is, con- is concerned? This is it. This is it. I mean, we have the mul- another multiplayer drop uh, after this, but that, that's it. Well, Lucas, your question's been answered. <laughs> Raul, your question's been answered. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was curious. I, I was reading what what Eric was, was saying, and I assumed that we could make that you know, we could make that assumption, but he didn't right. say that, you know. And so I yeah, wanted yeah. to make sure that. I mean, that for we us, part it. of it, we've never done single player DLC. It's something we've wanted to do for a while. Like we finished Uncharted One, there were some ideas to do it, we didn't work out. Same thing after Uncharted Two, and like now we felt like we had a strong enough story to try it. So we, we want to see how well it does. We want to see how fans react to it. And then we'll figure out if in the future we'll do something like this again. It was great for us also. I mean, there's conversations. We don't know where any of this is going. But um, conversations around the studio about, like, that was kind of a nice schedule. Even though we're all kind of burnt out and we took our time with this, it was like it was a, it's a polished experience. We feel good about the quality of the experience we delivered. And so... You know, all everybody at Naughty Dog can be super proud. We're proud. And like, whether you guys like it or not, we don't care. Like, <laughs> but it's one of those things. Like, lesson learned. Like, what does this mean? Because the campaign was a beast. You know, that was yeah. a monster. Mm-hmm. So it's like one of those discussions. And you know, we're gonna see what happens. We have no clue. We're pretty flexible at Naughty Dog about like you know, we have a lot of leeway with Sony. 
you know, as far as like what we think is best. They're always going to have um, an opinion on something, but we have a lot of freedom. So I don't know. The future is kind of an interesting proposition right now. Would you do a Last of Us 2? Would we? Yeah. If, yeah, if, there's a, if there's a story, if there's something that we can find that, that we really like a lot. It's, yeah, it's like the sure. same thing with the DLCs. Like, we had the choice to do it or not do it. It was like, well, let's figure out if it's worth doing. Let's, yeah. say, let's see if we can get passionate about it. And so that's how we would approach Last of Us 2. Is like, we'll brainstorm, and if there's something we can really latch on to, then, yeah, we would do it. Mm. Latch on to something. I want more of that. I really enjoyed playing it. I, it's one of those you kind of forget, you know what I mean? Like, obviously, I, you know, I, I was beating the drum for Game of the Year and all that sort of stuff, but to sit down and get back into scouring around for supplies and crafting and, you know, falling in love with the mechanics again, that was, that was a lot it's of It's a special game, like, uh, yeah. I, I th- and it was cool to go back to it because we... We have to play lots of games, As you, and you guys, you know... You, oh, you're, it's you're, it's you're, so tough, I tell you. No, well, we have to play all these games. Well, we, 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 <laughs> we have to move on sometimes, you know what I mean? And The Last of Us was actually a game, and you get to ask Greg, like, I don't play online games, but I played online The Last of Us for, like, 40-something hours, you know, because I was, like, so into this the formula of playing the game and slinking around, and mm. it was, like, a game I was unusually good at. I'm not very good at multiplayer shooters, but I was unusually good at Not this very game. good at games. No. <laughs> uh, but it was cool, I agree, to jump back in, and you almost forget how fun it is, yeah. you know, like, and, and how cool it is to explore. And so I, I agree, just, I, I hope you guys are able to, to revisit this this universe as well because it's something special and especially when you when, when you when you just put it next to Uncharted they're so different to each other and to, to be able to go back and forth between these mm-hmm. series because obviously Uncharted 4 is something you're doing now um, but then who's going to make that space game oh the space <laughs> <laughs> savage people are, still, people are still beating that drum mm-hmm. in corners of the internet uh, we've already you talked about it Last of Us 2 maybe if you ever had a story to tell however Mikey Thompson has a question here. He says, with the huge success of The Last of Us, haven't you been tempted to port it to PS4? I know I'd rebuy it. That's another. That's like the other million-dollar question, right? You always get asked about if there's going to be a sequel and then what's happening with the PlayStation 4. Because the PlayStation 4 is the hotness. I don't know if you guys know this. A lot of people like it. What is this PlayStation 4 you speak of? It is a Netflix machine at the moment, but there is stuff <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Lord! There's a pat upon, I'm sure. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, Pregnant it's, pause. It's, just, it's resources, you know. It just yeah, comes no, down totally. to where do you put your resources. Um. It, again, if we can get something, if it, if you know, if it's worth it, we have to kind of. I think Neil nailed it. Like, if we have the opportunity, and we find that there's an audience out there yeah. that's craving it, you know, then and if we can make it happen, then possibly. But you, there's nothing definitive right now. As developers, and as you talk about resources, is this what excites you about PlayStation now? The fact that games you you wouldn't have to uh, from what i understand a playstation now dedicate resources to it right they would kind of just take your game and put it in the cloud and there you go they're already demoing it mm-hmm. is that exciting to you that like oh cool we won't have to go back and do busy work quote unquote or something like that i think that's awesome because you know uh you want to play all these old games but sometimes due to the lack of backwards compatibility or whatever now that's you can shipping. now you can now you can like go to the all these old games and try them out and you know there's a lot of people that have jumped on ps4 that didn't own a ps3 and now mm-hmm. they can play mm-hmm. all these awesome games yeah. Including okay. The Last of Us. Including The Last of Us one day. PlayStation Now. Soon. Yeah. Maybe. This summer, maybe. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. I'll North believe America. that when I see it. Right. What else you got, Colin? Uh, I kind of want to see what the readers have to say, actually. I don't want to cannibalize any more of their questions. Jared Petty writes in. He says, would you kill your children to save humanity? This is the thing. And then in a similar vein, Mathis, I'm sorry, yeah, Mathis writes in here, and he says a famous Greg Miller quote, because I have famous quotes now. We were playing as the bad guy the whole time? 
That's how I remember. Remember, I finished the game and I, I messaged both of you and I was like, I can't believe Joel was the bad guy. And you go, you're all like, cool, he's not the bad guy. I'm like, no, no, he's the bad guy. All right. He's was a, that your perfect. Neil impersonation? Yeah, that was a good impersonation. That's like pretty that. good, right? Nailed it. You know? I'm telling you, it you need a you need a voice bad. actor a for Uncharted. I'm here. Better than most of your, your <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, uh, I'm in the Joel camp where what the hell? I would kill all of you motherfuckers to save my kid. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't do it either. I, I wouldn't kill. I'd, I'd, I'd save the kid. Yeah. It's my Colin, love. What would you, you know? do? That's what I, that's what I felt the, when we played when we first played the game. I'm like, I, he made the decision that I think is the logical decision for him to make. Yeah, you know? again, it's one of those things I look at it, and my own interpretation of this thing is like, like look at the state of the world. Like, even if they could extract a cure, how are they going to, like, bottle it up and send it out to people? There's, there's no infrastructure for delivery. Like, how does it, like, the leaps of logic to try to get this thing out there is kind of ridiculous, and that's my that's my spawn. Yeah. That's my brood. That's my child. I go, even, my love. I go even further. Let's say it's guaranteed that they could get a cure sure. and guaranteed they could get it out there. I still save my kid. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, I buy it. <laughs> and this was one of the major things that I talked about in our spoiler cast, which was I didn't, you know, some people extracted out of this that the fireflies could definitely get the cure out of her. And I was like, there's no guarantee. In fact, I was reading all the stuff like we were going crazy, like we were going crazier than you're telling me I was, you know, I was an idiot. But I was like, <laughs> I didn't say when I, I was reading all of this stuff in the hospital, being like, it seems like they've been trying to do all of this kinds of shit, for, like shit for a while. And Ellie might just be a sacrificial lamb for no reason. And maybe Joel's finding this stuff and seeing it with his own eyes. So maybe like he's just like it would have worked. There's no guarantee. The note said it would work. It would have worked. <laughs> and, and, and greater I, good. And, and but I was more fascinated. Interestingly, when you were talking about like you know what is the logistical plan behind getting this cure out in such a post-apocalyptic dystopian situation, but I was more excited about if the fireflies actually control this. Like it would create some sort of war with Fedra some or like power structure, yeah, yeah, like with with you know the, the powers yeah. that be in some sort of conflict, which could have happened had Ellie been. It does know, open up a lot, a lot of possibilities. It's yeah. kind of intriguing. That's that's sort of the same thing about the end of the Left Behind um, storyline is is letting it be in the player's imagination of like yeah. how did they fall apart? How did that happen after? Like what was the conversation like between Ellie and Riley afterwards? Yeah, that's, that's the thing we always try to do with the stories: never answer all the questions, leave a lot of it to the player's imagination. Yeah. But we you're talking about all these like different that. factions and how they would fight over the vaccine. That was actually one of the early versions of the story. I like, remember all these people chasing after Ellie mm. and trying to like get the vaccine for themselves. Mm. That was a bad story. You were part of that. I'm glad we didn't make that game. <laughs> Speaking of, Joe the Guru, he says, uh, did you guys think that The Last of Us would be this well-received with the dark nature of the game? You're talking about the stories and stuff. You, I, the, the dark nature? The dark nature. The dark nature. Uh, no. We actually we would have these conversations where we said... This is much more. This is darker than Uncharted. It's not going to be as mass appeal. The fans are going to hate us. Uh, it's going to be much more divisive. We've betrayed when, when them. When reviews come out, like there's going to be a lot of arguments about. Oh yeah, there, a lot of controversy as far as like the 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 blurriness of the moral lines um, that you know constantly are played with. We you know throughout the game and, um, and even know, as far as like the mechanics, we felt like we we went too hardcore. But we, again, we, we, we loved it. So yeah, like, we, we were making a game that we wanted to play, yeah. both story and gameplay, so we just kind of stuck with our guns with that. Tried to make it as, as accessible as possible. Um, you know, that's what Naughty Dog... It has to come out of Naughty Dog's doors. That's really it, though, but, but we like those games. We like Naughty Dog's games, so we just wanted to make a rad action survival, survival action Naughty Dog game. That was our thing. 
And I, I think I'll spoil a little bit of, of part five, the last part of the history of Naughty Dog, which I haven't written yet. Okay. But well, I talked to a lot of people. Good tease. You know, I talked to a lot of, you know, including you guys, we've talked, you know, talked to a lot of people at the studio, and I know that the game's mock reviews suggested that it was going to be about in the mid-80s, and that your internal, your internal, uh, I guess, metrics for the game in terms of sales was were, were quickly exceeded when the game came to market. Um, so it seems like you guys even, you know, internally were, you know, knew yet might have had something good, maybe not. There was some divisiveness there. And then the game seemed to quickly exceed expectations. So that must have been pretty exciting for you guys, both critically and commercially, right? I mean... Yeah, it was... I think it, the mock review was good because it just brought us down and we're like, okay... It's not so much the score that they gave us, it's what they critiqued in that mock review. And they were saying, like, not enough boss fights, uh... Not enough variety of weapons, conspiracy. not enough variety of enemies. Uh, they didn't even like super, Ellie that much. Super niche mechanics in regards to the crafting. Like, I want to be able to cut a match into three pieces and then reuse this <laughs> or something, you know, to make a tent. You know, or so, it's just like crazy stuff that you're like, okay, I don't, I, I don't even know how to make that. So it, it just like, felt like the thing we were going for didn't come across, and that's what we were worried about. Mm. And then uh, there is an audience out there that's like hardcore survival horror, which I can totally see that they would like that stuff too. Right. But that's not what we were going for. So with Neil, like, we just thought like we missed the mark completely. Mm, like mm. we're trying to sell this survival this action. Very, like, we're and creating very a new genre, character-driven experience, yeah. and like in that review, that didn't come across. Yeah. And they were just like, they wanted survival horror. And that was the thing is the review was also based on their opinion of what they wished it was rather than critiquing it on what sure. it actually was. So then so, when the actual reviews came out, it was like, oh, okay. Oh, people are getting it. This is awesome. This yeah. is great. Well, that was the takeaway I had when I went and played it for the first time. And you guys finally let us actually get hands on with it is when I came back and would talk about it, I talked about the crafting system that I loved. It was a crafting system for people who didn't want an in-depth crafting system, yeah. right? Like it's like I, you can wrap your head around you look at it and it's all visual and you have like the pie chart filled in of how much duct tape you have and you know you need a little bit more and it's like all right I can go do that it was it was a nice obviously twist on something that Uncharted never touched on but was still simple enough that you could just jump in and go with it yeah I mean it, the the core things about the just the crafting system was we wanted to keep it live so that it, it built the tension so um, if you ran away and have like a couple seconds to you know hunker down create a Molotov or a health kit yeah. and, and regain the upper hand. We wanted to keep it live and fast. Tension. And, and then Tension. we needed it to be, that meant that it had to be super accessible and super simple. And that's kind of the key to good design period that we're always just trying for both in story and gameplay. Like, how do you simplify these things? Like, yeah, what's, what's actually necessary to get the tone, the experience across? What's the least we need to say or do here to yeah. get this point And that's across. a mantra for us all the time. Okay, step back. How do we simplify? Gotcha. Matt Farley wrote and he said, were you worried about multiplayer, that it might be ill-received? Were you surprised by the positive reaction? Uh, well, we knew internally that there was the tone, the tension that was right. We, we worked really hard at trying to um, capture, you know, that survivalist feeling. And so the pacing, that was the hardest thing is like, like trying to get the pacing right in it. Because it, it, be, it could swing from being too lethal and then respawns and things kind of had no consequence because you had to get back in the game. So finding the balance with that stuff to keep the tension but at the same time allow you the, the accessibility. Um, and then, uh, you know, we added the, the meta system, sort of that the, the survivalist group and the Facebook integration into it. And then it added this extra veneer of like, okay, this is personalized now. Yeah. Now I can kind of like invest in, oh, I just saw 
you know, my mom just died, you know, inside of the, the metagame. You're like, that's kind of cool. It has this extra element. It might not have the longevity, but at the same time, that was one of those things that we're like, okay, well, we're good with this for now. And we're super proud of, super, super proud of how, you know, like there's a core group of fans that really yeah, like love it. it. And that's all we want to do is we want to make sure we kind of knew from the Uncharted series that people buy these games for the single player campaign. But there is always a small faction that, that like, well, factions. They like to go online and, um, and uh, extend kind of the experience. And I think the experience that we delivered in the multiplayer is, like, um, it's intense. I mean, you get sweaty palms, and, and you're at the edge of your seat. Like, I really like it a lot in, in the studio. Like, I've had some of the... Some of those amazing moments where as I'm running a raid, I pick up a two by four, I jump in a corner, I craft a, a bomb, I throw the bomb down, somebody's still running after me, I hear the bomb blow up, I know I'm down one more guy. You're like, yeah, yeah. it's amazing. It's, it's a really, I've had some great experiences on it, so I'm glad other people have taken to it. How long do you guys plan to support it? I mean, are they, I mean, servers should be on forever. You're talking about there's more DLC down the way for it. Yeah, we have our third drop for the, um, but I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, that's really it. As it's, long as there's people playing it. Yeah. As long as there's two people playing it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the intense one-on-one matches. One-on-one <laughs> um, George wants to know which scene changed the most from script to scene. Uh, we were talking about this this morning because um, we saw that tweet. Uh, probably the one that from dialogue changed the most is where uh, f- uh, Bill finds Frank's body and it's hanging there. Mm, and, like mm. The scene was written like the, the argument between Joel and Bill was kind of lame the way it was on the page and uh troy baker and w earl brown improvised that whole argument to fight and the way that test came into that argument so that one changed quite a bit and for the better so that's probably the one it's the biggest and then we talked about the one that just structurally changed not so much as far as what was being said was the the ending ending, playing carrying ellie out of the hospital right that wasn't originally going to be a playable section right that was a cutscene. Gotcha. Uh, so for this, for the Left Behind DLC here, how great was it not to work with Troy Baker? <laughs> Just to not have him bumming around the office anymore. We love Troy. It was awesome, actually. Uh, <laughs> no, it, it was. We. Uh, it was kind of like it was. It was weird. It was weird to like go back on the mocap stage and like Ashley's there, but without. Troy just had a different energy to it. It was yeah. just, like, different. And I, she was telling me she called, like, Troy. She's like, hey, it was weird not having you around because she kind of looked up to him because he's, like, the mocap expert. Sure. And now uh, um, uh, the, we, we have Yanni there, and she's now training her, like... Yeah, Yanni like, King. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was just it was different. Okay. Final question from the fans isn't about The Last of Us. It comes from Emir. He says, what are the chances of Naughty Dog allowing any other studio to make a Jack and Daxter game? You guys already did, didn't you? Did we? I guess yeah. the Lost HD Frontier. Collection? Lost Frontier. What is? What oh, is the it was a PSP collection. game. <laughs> it was a PSP oh, game. Oh, sure. Yes. <laughs> you know the PSP yeah. game I worked on. I, I get really focused on the games that we're making in house. So sure. I don't know what happens outside the doors of Naughty Dog. Okay. That's that, that's kind of my answer. Is I have no clue. Uh, we wouldn't be against it if there was a studio we you know we respected that had a good idea that yeah we would we would entertain it. Is it I'd, weird? I'd play a Jack and Daxter game that was well done. That'd be cool. I'm down. Is it weird? I mean, having these properties that you've you know massaged, brought to life, done all these things with, and then having like a Sony Ben do an Uncharted Vita game. Well, I mean, those guys they worked closely with Amy on mm-hmm. that, uh, and it's something that we kind of helped with. So it was. It was a Naughty Dog sanctioned project. The hardest uh, thing was the Crash Bandicoot. You guys came with your holy water, threw it all Crash over the Bandicoot game. Crash Bandicoot was the tough one because I mean we made a conscious decision inside of the studio not to continue the Crash franchise as we moved on to the PS2. We wanted to exploit like 
you know, what is next gen at that time? And, and we were all a little burnt out over Crash. And it was Universal's property as well. So there were licensing sort of deals going on between. The, so it was like we just wanted to do something different. That's how Jack came about. But then seeing what happened to the Crash franchise was like, the heights it reached without you oh man if and the sales were really great but as far as like the the execution maybe it's a little different than how we would have done it internally and it's it's like your baby you know that's like we created that thing and that world and those characters but luckily we got that license back and now we're like bringing it we're working on it right now (laughs) thank god you guys announced that now it's only going to be on PS now you announced it in a postage stamp image sign in the back of a trailer I was really happy that was how you went big with that announcement well this this brings up an interesting question, you know, about The Last of Us, mm-hmm. which is, you know, how would you feel about a studio doing a Last of Us spinoff on Vita, for instance, or something like yeah. that? I mean, w- w- you know, you wouldn't want to really Don't you that. dare, Colin, say those words. How dare you? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> just gonna, I'm just going to throw you this over. <laughs> Flip table, walk out. It could easily be Riley's story of becoming a Firefly. We have 46 days. De- there you go, Last of Us, Colin, 46 days. There you go. Done. Done. Ship write, it. Write it down, Eric. <laughs> It would be hard. It would be, be hard. it would be the same thing where it's like if we felt like we don't have anything to tell and we've moved on and someone else came with us with a really cool idea and we're like, well, that actually would be interesting and we trust that developer, then that would be the hypothetical scenario where we would be like, yeah, okay, let's talk about it. Well, Nihilistic was doing really good things on Vita, so maybe they'll come and do a Last of Us game for you. They are busy now <laughs> as instigate. <laughs> I'd almost be more interested, rather than them trying to replicate the core experience from the campaign and those mechanics, et cetera, uh, I, I would almost be more interested in hearing somebody's abstract indie idea of The Last of Us or, you know, like some Side completely different, like, you know, mechanics, yeah. interface, et cetera. I, that would almost intrigue me more than somebody trying, you know. Yeah, and like, it's, likewise, I think, like, if they would came up with new characters or a totally right. different scenario. The world is rich with possibilities, and, and you just need smart people to go, okay, this would be rad. I could exploit yeah. this, yeah. Well, there you go, smart indie developers. Tweet at these guys. Send, send them what you want to do. If Lucas Pope wanted to make... Lucas Pope, I'd trust. <laughs> i trust in Lucas Pope. You should let Steve <laughs> Gaynor do it. Pre- Steve Gaynor, I trust. Gaynor. Yeah, yeah, he can just come through and investigate your house. Yeah. Go through the Joel house, <laughs> see what's happening there, try to piece it all together. Um, before I get flogged in the comments, you guys have been working on this last of us pretty hard, right? How long now? Four years? Nonstop? Four years, yeah. So that's yeah, why I didn't ask years. you about Uncharted PS4, because I doubt you've had much to do with it. No. Exactly. No. We see, we, there's I a lot see of commotion going. I see it, like, I see it, like, on someone's monitor from far away. There's awesome stuff on monitors, and I'm like, ooh. Yeah. And they're like, finish you know, the like, DLC! <laughs> get out of here! Shoo! They got the broom. There. <laughs> well, all right. Well, one last question I want to ask. Yeah? We kind of talked about it a little bit with you know, the reception of the game when it came out, and you guys were surprised maybe by the reviews and stuff. How did Game of the Year season treat you guys? Did you, knowing, you know, the game came out in June right before E3, started getting 10s, you knew the game was amongst the year's best. Then you get an extraordinary amount of Game of the Year uh, nominations and, you know, awards. So how did that strike you guys at the studio? And are you guys kind of like rock stars now at Naughty Dog right now because your game just kind of murdered? (laughs) That's not how things go at Naughty Dog. It's like every day you have to re-earn everybody's respect. Do you see these scars? (laughs) Do you see these scars? Uh, well, it was actually a bit of a roller coaster ride. The 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 start of the as you call it the game of the year season is is um it was rocky. It was like the first couple machinima um went to GTA five. I mean, we, we honestly felt like it was GTA 5's year. Like once For all sure. the reviews came out, you know, and it has like ninety eight. I remember even talking to you. What was it up in PAX, like outside of some bar or something? Yeah. And I was I was expressing my concern, like man, GTA five. I don't know if yeah. 
you know, we're just going to overlook. You're like, don't worry about it. And you hugged me. And I felt really good. It was like, you but he always does. You wiped my tears. And I was like, oh, Greggy loves me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put you under my, okay. my, my, my little umbrella. Walked you back to the hotel. Yeah, no. But, it, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, again, it's the same thing. It's like if we walked out, like, cocky of, like, yeah, dude, we own this thing. It's, I don't know. It's good to have self-doubt. It's good to, like, push ourselves to see, like, can we do better? We always feel like we can do better. Actually, I look at the, you know, single-player campaign. We've talked about, like, are there areas that we could have changed or done something different? Could we do better? And hindsight's twenty twenty. We know that. We're very proud of what we've done. Um, but, yeah, it was a, anyway, it was a, the game of the year thing started rocky, and we thought it was sure going to be GTA Five all the way. Yeah, and then you... And Gone Home. We thought that was the other thing. Yeah. Gone Home was going to be, like, the indie darling that was going to thank you, Greggy, for Gone Homing it. Yeah, but we <laughs> thought for sure, like, that was going to be the other game. It was either going to be huge AAA, I can do anything I want, open world, oh, my God, crazy, yeah. or... This super delicate, intricate, you know, loving story that Gone Home created. So it's um, I don't know. It, it's it, but it's amazing. Yeah. I don't know how else to say it other than I'm the, the glad cool, that the, the team yeah. endured everything that they had to endure with dealing with Neil and I's like craziness and our obsession and our, you know, we're very demanding as far as what we're trying to do, and the team kind of has to roll with that and trust us. But I know that they have doubt. I'm sure of it. Yeah. I would have doubt. Like, look at these two jackasses. <laughs> you know, and, and I'm working long hours, et cetera, and what's this all for? And then, well, here's what it's for. is like the entire industry can look at us. It's like, okay, Naughty Dog still, like, represents. And, and we're very proud of what the team was able to contribute. and how We couldn't do this without them, so we're glad that they trust us. And that's really what it's all about, you know, being proud of what comes out of the doors. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. That was good. That's a good note to end on. You set this all up well, Colin. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you did. <laughs> thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been Podcast Beyond, episode 329. The Last of Us, the Left Behind. It's out now. Came out on Valentine's Day. Uh-oh. Before you play it, you're like, why is it out on Valentine's Day? Then you find out it's a touching love story that ripped mm. off Gone Home. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, make sure you buy it. Make sure you play it. Make sure you keep coming to IGN.com because... Podcast Beyond's all well and good. It posts every Tuesday outside of spoiler cast like this. But what keeps the mics on and the lights working is, in fact, IGN.com. So go there. Read the reviews. <laughs> well, electricity's <laughs> part of it. Yeah, we learned about that in The Last of Us as well. Read the reviews. Watch the videos. Download the PlayStation 4 app. Then make sure you follow us all on Twitter. IGN is IGN. I'm Game Over Greggy. Colin is no taxation. Now we're in the weeds. Neil Druckmann is just Neil Druckmann, but is there an underscore in there underscore somewhere? Underscore between. There I wanted go. to make it extra long. No can ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> and then Bruce's. Bruce underscore Australia. What pushed you over the edge? Because I gave you nonstop shit during the preview cycle of Last of Us to get on Twitter. I have. I. You know what? There was just one day I saw like Neil, Troy, and Ashley are just having like they're laughing at things between each other. I'm like, I'm not part of the. Cl- I want to be part of the club. There's a joke going on, and I'm not part of it. <laughs> So yeah, I, peer pressure. That was, that was it. Peer pressure. And now you're part of. Now you have 133 followers. <laughs> your your clout score is going up by the day. Uh, every episode of Podcast Beyond ends with a song because it's the last of a spoiler cast. I dusted off an old favorite that Barlow submitted. The email goes, "Hey gang." Earlier this week, I sent Greg a video of my friend Emma performing her epilogue song for The Last of Us, and it seemed he seemed to like it. Well, today she recorded it and made it available for download via Bandcamp, emmahollows.bandcamp.com. I've attached the song. It's Ellie's song, and I think it's a perfect way to put Ryan's wrap-up into perspective. Well, thank you, Barlow. Uh, this is one of my favorites. You guys have heard this, I assume? Yeah. I've, I've sent you the YouTube video yeah, yeah, once or really twice. Cool. Really, really cool. Uh, written from Ellie's perspective by emmahollows.bandcamp.com. Go listen to it. 
Guys, thank you for joining us. Thank Thanks. you, guys. Yeah. Beyond. 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 Beyond.
But I know right here is my 